Bienvenidos to Melo Merezco. I'm your host, Andrea Teeda. In this show, we learn from amazing individuals who are at different stages of their journey. These are individuals with different careers who took the leap, are breaking generational patterns, and are creating their own reality. Therefore, with any goals we have, these conversations remind us that Melo Merezco. No other explanation needed. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Melo Merezco. We have another awesome guest today, on which I'm super, super excited about we have alexis the tough love coach she helps adhd ceos simplify their businesses with consistency systems and unapologetic confidence so alexis thank you so much for being here how are you i'm fantastic i'm 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 excited to be here well the, the honor is mine i i'm again i'm so excited so i feel like i have a bunch of questions but let's start with the beginning how what were those experiences that kind of like led you to be where you are, being the tough luck coach. Ah, uh, well, so there's so many elements to my to my story <laughs> that I can kind of touch on. You know what brought me here, but since you kind of said something, I want to point out about like what brought you to being the tough love coach. There's a lot of things that brought me to being the life and business coach that I am. But the tough love coach piece, uh, I have always, you know, since I was young, I've played sports my whole life, mm. and I've always loved. Um, like the more masculine, like in your face type of coaching yeah. like sports. And so I've always thrived really well with that. And so that's what I've liked. And so that's kind of the way that I coach, but I still find uh, like each individual person that I work with is different. So I think a lot of times people are surprised when they meet me or work with me. They expect me to be like a drill sergeant and a <laughs> Melanin people, but this is not the case. Um, my tough love, and then this is what I like to do with my podcast is like, and, and my social media, but is to redefine what tough love means, because I think we all can use tough love. It's just in different ways. It's not screaming and yelling and, 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 mm. and telling you what to do. It's more of like tough and honest conversations that we all know that we need to have with ourselves and the things we yeah. know we should be doing, but we're not. And I'm that person to have that conversation mm. with you. So that's kind of what brought the, like the tough love piece out. Um, like, again, like I said, I've always been that way, but I went to school to be high school history teacher and wow. decided it wasn't what I wanted to do. And at the time I'd been dating someone, um, I graduated college and ended up moving from the East coast to the West coast with them. But little did I know, even though my family knew my friends knew that it was it ended up being an abusive relationship and, um, the place that we were supposed to move into did not exist. He kind of like lied to get me to move with him. And so when we got yeah. there, didn't have anywhere to live, ended up homeless, sleeping out of my car for like three months in the, in LA. Um, and, and with that, with some health diagnosis with, um, just some, some major internal and external, uh, experiences that happened for me. I realized that no one was coming to save me. I was the one that had to, even though I wasn't responsible for like the things that I went through, I was responsible for getting myself out of them because mm. no one was going to come save me. So yeah. I started because of the health diagnosis that I got, I started just taking care of my health. That was like the first thing I felt like I could like focus on and control. And so I started taking care of that and started sharing on Instagram kind of like as a diary and accountability in, you know, I'm going to share my food and I'm going to share my workouts and I'm going to take care of myself. And then once I started to realize how good I felt, then I was like, okay, this feels great. I want to help mm -hmm. other people feel this way. And so I started just trying to coach people. And with that, I realized I wanted to get a, a certification. So I got a health, uh, holistic health certification through IIN. 
started coaching people that way. Then I got into fitness and nutrition and started helping people with that. Uh, and then I got into life coaching by really asking the question, instead of like, what are people struggling with? Why are they struggling with it? And what's in the way? And that's when I lean more into that. And then I've steered, I still consider myself a life and business coach. When you work with me, you kind of get, um, you know, two for one, but the business side of it really came about one from me being able to build two six figure businesses. And I was like, okay, if I can do this, I want to help other people do this. But also I really loved working with entrepreneurs, people who start things, people like you who like want to start a podcast and like, just get things done. Like I wanted to work with people like that. So that's kind of where I am. So I have evolved and changed in 150 ways <laughs> since the beginning of, of like what I started doing. Yeah, I can imagine. And I really like that piece where you said about the responsibility, like you can't control what's going out, going out externally, but you could definitely control the internal stuff and how you react to, to the to things. With this whole like journey, what were like those like very dominant or very uh, op like obstacles that kept, kept on reoccurring that you kind of like either like limiting beliefs or like physical like, external stuff that were again reoccurring and you like either overcame or are still like overcoming or because again it's also like a process so I feel like there's times where it just comes back out of nowhere too but yeah what were like those those things yeah so oh so many <laughs> definitely not <laughs> just one I think that uh a lot of people think that there's I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day a lot of people think there's kind of like this one thing that you need to overcome and then that's going to fix everything <laughs> And it's always just a bunch of very small little things and small micro shifts that we do that like make the biggest difference. But I think for me, and when I write a book, this is what it's going to, the theme of it's going to be about, but it's a lot about like this victim mentality. Like I went through things. I was in an abusive relationship. I went through homelessness. I went through a lot of tough things, but and and they weren't my fault, but I was still, as I said before, like responsible for fixing them. And this victim yeah. mentality really left me in a place of like, where I would get solutions. I would, um, have people try to help me out. And it was like this self-sabotage where I would like try to stop people from helping me in whatever way, because if I stayed where I was and I was sad and I was miserable and I was uncomfortable, like people would pity me and they'd feel bad for me. And then it would make me feel like, Oh, well, people care about me. So I think for me, the biggest one was that like victim mentality and and getting through that. Um, and then a lot of them, you know, there was a whole period of a lot of self-worth, self-confidence. I struggled with eating disorders. I struggled with how I saw my body. And so being able to see myself as like valuable and worthy was, was really big. Um, then as I moved through that, I, and, and because I, I forget what book it's from, but there's one thing that really stuck out to me the most. Um, there's lots of quotes from lots of books, but the one that says, uh, you can, you can, you can't change the coping mechanism and think you've solved the problem. Um, so if you have something that you're struggling with or something that's a deeper seated issue, you might go from being an alcoholic and then maybe you heal from that, but now you replace it with like being a workaholic. And now you're mm. like that, or even yeah. becoming super obsessive with your health or super obsessive with spirituality and like everything, I just got to meditate and fix it. And, and it's just yeah. like, it's still a coping mechanism. You're still just replacing one with the other. Mm -hmm. So we have to solve like the root of the problem. So I went through a lot of self-worth things, but then what I realized, and I didn't realize at the time was then I replaced it with like a lot of, um, like spirituality things. So I was like, became obsessed with like 
crystals and personal development and meditation and all of those are beneficial. But again, it kind of was replacing like actually facing like what I was trying to do to distract myself with that. Mm-hmm. And then I also really struggle with, and this is something that I probably the main kind of clientele that I work with is workaholism. And so like struggling with like working all the time consistently, um, uh, like needing to prove my worth by being really productive. And so all of those things really were just rooted in like me wanting to have control. And so like all of those different things, the self-worth, workaholism, all of it, even the victim mentality was like me wanting to have control because control made me feel safe. And so there's probably a 15 more I could, I could list in there, but I would say those are probably the main ones that like, you know, I've consistently worked through throughout this, this journey. I found that I found the part where you talk about spirituality that that was interesting because I feel like I did the same thing or I'm in a way I'm still like kind of doing the same thing but I'm trying to be more uh, productive or more um, intentional with with the things I do so if I'm gonna watch a spirituality video like this specific person I watch implement actually implement the stuff not just I keep on watching the stuff and yeah because it becomes a cycle um what were you doing like when you became aware of these things or how did you become aware of these things and then what were you doing to actually start um, transforming the victim mentality into a more growth mindset or abundance mindset? And yeah. and then the self-worth, like, I feel like that's a lot of, a lot of people struggle with that. So sometimes it's hard to kind of like, yeah, you gotta be more positive, you gotta be, but what were like those actionable steps that you took at the beginning that really helped you out? Yeah, so how is that such like a tough question because everybody is going to, stumble upon the things they you know want to be aware about in a different way um I think that it come there's so many there's never like one answer I'm never going to give one answer for anything but I think one of the things that helped me become more aware was essentially and a lot of people don't want to hear this but was like hitting a rock bottom where mm-hmm. I had no other option other than to, than to look in the mirror. And so I think a lot of people aren't ready for change or they're not ready to, or they're not aware enough because they haven't, they haven't hit that rock bottom that makes them look themselves in the mirror. If you are, you know, everybody struggles, but if you're not struggling enough, if you're not uncomfortable enough, you're going to still be able to just function day to day. And you're going to be, because yeah. humans are wired to be comfortable or not wired to be happy. And so even if we're in a situation where we are um, not thriving and things aren't going well, if it's what we're comfortable with, if it's what we're used to, if it's what we're familiar with, it could be Mm -hmm. chaos, but that's, it's still our comfort zone because it's what we've known our whole lives. And so I think that you not, and, and and you can not, you can't really like force yourself into a rock bottom, but, um, that, that's kind of one thing that like happened for me that just, you know, it, it, it just happened. So that's not necessarily something, something someone can like force themselves into, but I think what you can do to bring more self-awareness is force yourself to take a look at like what you're doing. Maybe you do like a little bit of like a, a brain dump and look at all the things that you know aren't serving you because regardless of how much knowledge you have and how much experience you have how old you are whatever you can probably sit down and list out like 15 things that you know you're doing people you're around situations habits things that are in your life that are not serving you and are not benefiting Mm -hmm. you and when you look at those things it doesn't mean you have to cut them all out because there are going to be some things that probably don't serve us the best but like we we can still 
you know, have them be a part of our lives. It just doesn't want to be a consistent thing. So I think becoming aware at like what's actually in the way of what you want. And then on the flip side, the more kind of positive side is the more you surround yourself with people that are like doing the things that you want to do, moving in the direction that you want to want to want to go that is going to bring a lot of self-awareness because you're going to see the potential of how your life could be. Mm -hmm. You're going to see that people, like if you, for example, if you hang out with a bunch of people that like just smoke cigarettes, play video games and sit on the couch all day, not bashing it, but if that's (laughs) all they do, they're probably not going to motivate you to like look inward. Right. But if you are around people that are taking care of their health, not perfect, but like taking care of their health, um, like getting out there and like going after their dreams and whatnot, that's going to make you want to have that desire to do that. And it's going to bring up a lot of the things that you need to focus on in order to make that happen. So I think like a lot of it for me was just surrounding myself with a different group of people and seeing like, oh, my life can be totally different than what I thought. And it, mm-hmm. it changed a lot for me in terms of like what I actually did to make those shifts. A mil- again, a million and 10 things. It's never just like the one thing. I think for me, what really kicked it off was like personal development and just starting to like focus on growth in different ways. So whether that was reading personal development books, listening to podcasts, journaling, meditating, going to therapy, it was just those. And it was never just one thing. It wasn't just therapy. It wasn't just journaling. It was all of those things, but also not doing them all at once. And this is a lot of what Mm. I teach in my work. Everybody like will see like, you know, the the 45 minute amazing morning routine on TikTok from some clean girl aesthetic, which is great. But then it's like, oh, well, I'm not doing all of these 15 things in the morning. Let me do all of them. And then I can have this girl's life. But once you try to do all of them, then it becomes overwhelming. Then we procrastinate and then we don't do any of them. So it's like, Mm -hmm. pick one thing. Maybe it's just journaling. Maybe it's just reading. Maybe it's just meditation. And then focus on that as for like an entire month we as human beings in the society we live in with our phones and how we can push a button, get food delivered to our house and swipe left or right to date someone. We are so hardwired to like want everything right now. And so the idea of us, you were talking about like, not just watching a video or reading a book and then, you know, reading and and watching more, it's like actually implementing it Mm -hmm. and integrating it. If people were to do that more, they would see so much more progress in their life. So a lot of people are wondering why they aren't where they want to be because all they're doing is consuming more information, (laughs) (laughs) which is totally normal. This is the world that we live in, Mm -hmm. but this is what I like. I talk about this all the time. I truly think that if everybody that was in the personal growth world in some way decided in 2024 that they were not going to consume any new information, obviously it'd be kind of hard to not consume social media, but like no new, you wouldn't, didn't read any new books, didn't listen to any new podcasts. And I, you have a podcast, I have a podcast, podcast, (laughs) but not fashion podcast, but like didn't consume it for a whole year. And all you did was look back on the podcast and the books and everything that you Mm -hmm. did in 2023. And that's all you focused on and just focused on implementing and integrating that you would make so much more progress than you making it a goal to read 50 books in 2024. It's like, we already have everything we need. We need to just implement it. I don't Mm -hmm. even know how I got off on the tangent. (laughs) I got fired up. No, I don't think that's, that's so true. And I think that's what I've been doing this past two months, something like that. Because yeah. I started the podcast, I started the podcast in March, and then I was good. But then it was that it kind of went downhill after like April. So like literally like a month and a half later, because I was like, oh, 
now I have to do all of this, which is now overwhelming because I'm not used to being consistent. I, I feel like I had, I told my story, the story of like, I'm a procrastinator, so I don't get stuff done. Yeah. But then recently I really, I started, which was interesting when you said in the beginning, that like, how you started with your health. Uh, that's exactly like what I'm doing now. So I've like dived into podcasts with health, like how can I improve my health? Um, and then also doing like little stuff, not doing everything all at once, which that's is um, an interesting like thing that it's like obvious and like, when you use like say it, but like when you're actually doing it, you kind of like forget about it. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do everything. And I there's something that you mentioned too with like you hitting rock bottom. I think for me, I, I personally don't think I've hit rock bottom. But I've been in this past few months where like I've been, I want to change. Like, I don't want to be where I am right now. And a question that helped me out was uh, like, if you, if you reflect in where you are now and you say the same for the next 10 years, how would you feel? And then when I had to answer that question, I was like, yeah, no, I do not, <laughs> I do not want to, oh, I do not want to be where I am right now. So that kind of like made me want to change. Uh, for the better, which is why I got into my health and so yeah, were you um what were when you started your journey when you started like your health and then like started posting it in social media how did that look in the beginning like what were you, the struggles what were like the, the achievements like what were you celebrating your wins like how did that look like at the beginning yeah first like social media specifically for social media or- health like when you started your business yeah um oh gosh i i love this i love this topic because i i I touch on it a lot like with my clients because a lot of people struggle with like imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and um you know comparing themselves to other people on social media and that their social media should look a certain way oh my Mm -hmm. gosh if you look and which is so insane i'm sure other people have more posts than me but i have almost i have like 7300 posts on instagram 7500 that's a lot that's a lot of posts that's insane and i have been posting since 20, I started my Instagram and started because I was I started as a vegan recipe page. I was mint chocolate vegan. Oh, wow. it was my Instagram, <laughs> um, and I started that I believe in 2012, and so I've been posting for 11 years. So oh, wow. it's been quite a quite a while, but still, that's like it's it's a lot of posts, and so you should have seen my social <laughs> media back then. It was awful. It sucked. <laughs> it did and. So uh, there, I, I I think the biggest thing for me is that I've done so much trial and error and been okay with that. And like, like in the beginning, of course I wasn't, I talk about this a lot too, but um, when I started doing like fitness, cause nutrition was easy. Cause I was just posting my food. But when I started doing fitness and I was like trying to post workouts, I still was not confident in myself. So I would like mm. chop my head off in every picture. Like oh, I would wow. just like picture and like make sure that you couldn't see my face if I did like a workout video I would turn around the other way mm-hmm. and like I didn't want anybody to see my face and now if you see me on social media it's like the complete opposite I just <laughs> shut, shut up I'm just there all the time and so for me it was like getting past the imposter syndrome past the like I need to be an expert I need to know everything I need to like have the best post and the best content it was a little bit easier back then too because like there wasn't as many people on social media now everybody is which doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily make it harder but like there's more things to compare to so I think it was a lot of like the comparison of a lot of um you know just feeling like I needed to be someone that I wasn't and this is why in my bio I talk about that authentic confidence because this is what I think a lot of people come to me for and why they're attracted to follow me and why they're attracted to work with me is because I am unapologetically myself. If you meet me in person or you meet me on social media, I am the exact same person. 
through and through. There's no mask. And I used to have a mask, but I learned pretty quickly that like, it was way more fun. I was able to be way more creative and it just was less exhausting to try to put up this persona on social media of like either being completely put together or so like professional. And I, I don't, not that I'm not professional. I still do my job. I run a business, but I'm very much like not the normal kind of professional. Like I'm not, mm. a normal, not like I'm like, Oh, I'm so different, but like, I'm just, <laughs> I don't have this like, okay, I'm a coach and I need to be this person that's going to help you. And we're going to get results. Like I'm just me. And I think that that's been one of the things that I can attribute to my success over these past 10 years is just working through that. And so I think those were probably the biggest, they were the biggest roadblocks. And now they're the things that attract people to me the most. And that's always going to be true for almost everybody. Like the thing that you're hiding from the most, or like, you know, is the hardest for you to work through once you work through that and not become perfectly healed, but really move past however it's holding you back is most likely going to be the thing that like attracts people to you for sure so mm, that's interesting i think that would be a question i have to reflect what am i hiding from that's an yeah. interesting one yeah. um now that you because you've mentioned that you've made two six-figure businesses so how how is that like the first one like can you talk a bit more about that like how was that experience and then yeah, let's answer that question first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I've, I've always been kind of working two businesses at once. I started mm -hmm. like the work I do now, like, you know, uh, just being a coach. I, I was a holistic health coach, but life coach, whatever you want to call it. I started that first. Okay. And then I'd always been doing that behind the scenes, but it had more so been behind the scenes. So I was like one-on-one -on -one coaching people sporadically, um, you know, doing that a little bit, but the forefront was my fitness and nutrition business. So I did it through a network marketing company. I don't, I don't do it anymore, but I did it through a network marketing company. And a lot of people have like feelings about network, network marketing companies, but I think it was really great for me to like figure out how to be an entrepreneur. I think one of the things Another thing that I work with, because I do work with um, entrepreneurs that are already pretty established, but I do work with a lot of entrepreneurs that don't have a business yet or just getting it off the ground. And a lot of times um, the switch they need to make and which most people need to make, and even people who have been doing it for like three years still haven't made, the switch from the employee mindset to the entrepreneur mindset. Mm -hmm. When you are an employee and you work for someone, you have a schedule, someone sets your schedule, you have a boss, you have people that are going to check in with you. If you don't do your job, you're going to get fired. If you work for yourself, you have no boss, you make your schedule, you make the rules. If no one's going to fire you other than like, maybe you just don't make any money, but like nothing's really going to happen if you don't show up other than like your business is unsuccessful. And so a lot of people, you know, start a business, but they haven't made that flip yet. And they're wondering why they're, they're procrastinating. They're not disciplined. They're not on top of things because they have to really make that switch in their head that I am an entrepreneur. I am responsible for myself. I am my own boss. I make my schedule. No one is coming to do this for me. And so, um, I think that, that like that flip is so important. I don't even know how I got off on the tangent. <laughs> Um, but so that, that fitness and nutrition, like, you know, business that I was doing helped me make that, that's that flip. I learned how to actually run a business. I learned how to, you know, do things with taxes. I learned how to anything that goes into like running a business. I learned from that. And so 
I think I was really successful with my network marketing company because again, going back to what I just shared is that I was really just focused on being authentically me. I think with network marketing, what a lot of people do is they get lost in the company that they're working with. And if like, mm-hmm. I always say, I just talked about this on one of my podcasts talking about, or no, was it on the podcast? And no, I think it was a post, but um, the, if, if you work for this company, whatever it is, if the company were to disappear, would you still be like able to run a business or would you have been so enveloped in that network marketing company that that company, even like people who do like influencer marketing and they work with a brand, you don't want to be so connected to that brand that like you become the brand, like you want to be able to be yourself. And so I built that. Um, and was building that for like eight years. And then, like I said, behind the scenes, I had always been either life coaching, holistic health coaching in some way. And then eventually I'd say, I think it was 2021, the beginning of 2021, I decided to leave the network marketing company and just go full force into my one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what led me again. I'd always been doing both of them. It wasn't like I did yeah. one and did the other, it was just, they kind of flipped. And then the, the, what I do now became the forefront of my social media. It became mm-hmm. what I focused on most. Um, and I think I can attribute my success to my, to well, I can attribute my success to my, the, the fitness and nutrition because one, I showed up and I'm very, uh, I'm not perfect of course, but I'm very disciplined. I'm very habitual. I'm very routine. I'm very consistent. And I talk Mm -hmm. about this a lot with my clients about imperfect consistency. A lot of times Mm -hmm. people aren't consistent because they look at consistency as I'm only consistent if I do it every day, but consistency is about doing little things imperfectly over time that build the habit. And so Mm -hmm. I know I've been successful because of that, but because of how I'm authentically myself, I'm real raw, the weird, whatever version of me, like on social media, I think people are attracted to that and they're attracted to that confidence that I have. And so I think because I got really successful with my fitness and nutrition business, when I've put this business at the forefront, like the life and, and business coaching, that was, I was able to match my income in my network marketing business in two months of, oh, sure. of putting it at the forefront because of all the work that I had done leading up to that. Again, my authenticity, whatever. I think my presence on social media, it's not even about the amount of followers that I have. I know plenty of people that have like less than 10,000 and probably make more than me. And so it has <laughs> nothing to do with that, but it's more about like how I show up and that confidence and that authenticity that I think I can like attribute to my success. To your success. Interesting. Yeah. How, when you made that shift from networking, mark, network marketing to being a, a coach or like being coach, being your forefront, like your main business, how was that experience? Like how difficult, like, was it difficult? What type of conversations were you having and like, what made you make that shift? Yeah. It's funny that you're talking about that. Cause this is actually something I was just talking about with a friend. Um, Cause I think I want to run some kind of group or course or something to help people who are wanting to make the switch from network marketing to doing their own thing. Cause a lot of people have identified themselves with what they're doing and they have no idea how to leave. Cause with network marketing for people that aren't familiar, a lot of people like call it a pyramid scheme, whatever. There's a lot of pyramid schemes out there, but pyramid schemes typically are not typically they are illegal. illegal. And so, and so any, uh, network marketing that's currently running can't be a pyramid scheme if it's, if it's, if it's running, but anyway, so um, with network marketing, you know, you have a team of people and so you, you still run your business, but you have people who like the products, they enjoy it just like people. It's the same people like to, to bash it, but it's the same as if you're an Amazon influencer, you like Amazon <laughs> products, 
you share it with other people. Like, yeah, maybe you're not like recruiting people to do it, but I can guarantee if there was that option, you would probably do it. Oh, join my team. Let's sell this Amazon stuff together. So, but anyway, so, um, I think the hardest part with that is like, you know, you have this team and I did it for eight years. So I went on trips with these people. These people came to my house. I interact with them every single day on zoom. They were like my family. And so for me to decide to have to leave, my biggest fear was they were going to feel like I was abandoning them. And so Mm -hmm. it was very hard to leave. I, cause there were other people that left that were above me and I felt that way about them. And then you feel, start Mm -hmm. feeling, and it wasn't that I wasn't like, I didn't like the company anymore. That company changed my life, but it was that I was just ready to do something new. Just like people work at a restaurant for a few years and decide to leave and get a new job. It's the same thing. And so I just realized that I really liked doing what I was doing on my own. And someone had said to me that like really changed my life. One of my mentors was like, you're never going to make more money than you will doing your own thing. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause I was a part of the network marketing company. I was making great money, but I still was connected to a company. They still were, I still was only making a percentage of what I sold. So I was like, if I'm doing my own thing, I make hundred percent of, mm-hmm. of what I, well, besides taxes, I guess, but I make most <laughs> of, you know, what I, what I do. And so I, I really just like was ready to do something new. And so that was like the biggest shift for me was I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want to be responsible for a team anymore. I loved my team, but I really just wanted to like be that a slow, solo, uh, solo entrepreneur um, and have like, maybe like my team, like I have an assistant, I have a social media manager, but like, other than that, I wanted to just do my own thing. But so the hard conversations I had to have were like, honestly, it was like one of the hardest things I had to do because I had to like meet with my team, my leaders who I've been, we've been in each other's lives for years and say, I'm going to step away from the team and I'm going to do my own thing and they kind of have to go out on their own and, and, and figure it out, which is empowering for them, but they don't feel that way at first. <laughs> you know, they're like, no, like, you know, you're, you're leaving us. And so that was really, really hard, but it was the best decision I ever made. And so the, the few months after were a little bit difficult. Um, but, it, but now like I, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't decide to walk away. So it was tough, but I, I just, I, it was really just due to me wanting to do my own thing and, and just realizing that it's okay to grow out of something that served you at one point, even if it made you really happy. It's the same thing with relationships. A lot of people will stay in relationships where they are somewhat happy, but not fully happy. And it's just like, well, I've already invested so much time and energy into it. Why would I leave? And it's like, if you know there's something missing and you want to step away, like you have to, even if- Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I could relate to that, but um, I had a question. It kind of like relates, I kind of like, I talk about finances in the podcast too. So it kind of like, I think it's a good transition because you had a six-figure business with the networking with network marketing and then a six figure business with your coaching. How was your relationship with money in the beginning? And then how did it evolve? Money to me is one of the toughest relationships. <laughs> I always say this food and money, I think are the hardest things to work through. I'm not saying other problems aren't tough, but you can't avoid eating and you can't avoid paying for things and everything else. Like you can, like, let's say you smoke cigarettes. Like you can avoid being around people that smoke cigarettes. You can not go buy a pack of cigarettes, but you cannot avoid food or money. And so I think if you have a tougher relationship with food or you have a tough relationship with money, I think not that I'm like being Debbie Downer about it, but I think it is one of the toughest relationships to work through and heal. Um, but so for me, I'm still working on my relationship with money. Um, but, I, but for me, money was like one of the hardest things I, I grew up a lot of how we look at money is always going to be 
typically based off of like our caretaker. So mom, dad, grandma, whoever you grew up with. And so how they handled money, how they talked about money, how they saw money is going to affect how we look at and, and see money. And so um, I kind of had two sides of the coin. And so on my mom's side, she was very like, everything's expensive. And she grew, she had a hard upbringing too. And so that's why she was the way she was, but like, everything's expensive. We can't afford this. I always had like, everybody else had like the cool book bags and I had like the dollar store book bags and everybody <laughs> cool cereal at their house. And I had the knockoff cereal. And so it was like all these things. And when you're in school and like, especially like middle school and high school, like it's brutal out there. Like middle schoolers, high schoolers are evil and awful. <laughs> And so like, I got bullied so much in school. And so I just like experienced all of that. And so, um, I had that side where like money is like very scarcity. Like there's never enough money. Everything's always expensive. Like hold on to every penny that you have on my, the flip side, my dad, cause my parents were separated, but my dad was like, we can call it an abundance mindset, but it was probably irresponsible. Like <laughs> all the money, giving me all the money, like uh, money's no option, like uh, just spending it all. And so then I saw like that side of it where it was like no responsibility mm. for money. But then there, though, my mom's side, it was like, not, it wasn't even like she was responsible, but it wasn't like she wasn't, it was more of just like too much, too much control of it and desperation about it. And so I saw both of those sides. So I kind of struggle and I worked on it a lot, but like struggled with like the, sometimes it can feel like, Oh my God, that's so expensive. Or why does that cost that much? Even making six figures, like those, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you can still have those thoughts if you don't work through it. But then I have the side of it where I'm like, screw it ball and like just spending the money going out and traveling and like oh it probably shouldn't spend money on this but it's fun so like anyway and mm -hmm. so like that I I I my balance has been like a little bit uh too scarce and a little bit too too abundant um but I've worked through through a lot of journaling through a lot of therapy like shifting like my views on money, my views on debt, my views on like that, that, you know, that knowing that money is like always coming in and money mm -hmm. is always going to be there, but not in the sense of, cause I think a lot of times people will want to believe that. And this is like with like any limiting belief or like affirmation, things like that, where you're like, oh yeah, I know money is just an exchange of energy, but I'll ask my clients, do you actually believe that? Are you, are your actions aligning with money's just an exchange of energy? Or are you just saying that? Cause it sounds really good because people will say that, but then they're holding on to every dollar or they're trying mm -hmm. to control every situation and they're not surrendering. So I think for me, the biggest thing is like making sure I have those beliefs. Like I have this card here that I keep uh, around all the time. And it says, I accept that good things come easily. And so it's like, I know that's true. I want to believe it's true, but I have it sitting there because I don't always feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's honest and okay to admit that. So same thing with money even though I've been really successful and I just, I shared this on my podcast the other day, I realized and I need to make a post about it. I think I have to do the actual math, but I think I've hit a million dollars in sales, not in a year, but like over the course oh, wow. of my whole, oh, you know, wow. That's awesome. and so I know, which is really cool. Like even been able to have made that there are still times where I'm like, oh, that's too expensive because these patterns and these things are so deeply ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still continuing to remind myself that like, you know, the more I allow myself to believe that good things come easily, the more they get to, but I still need to work on like fully embodying and in believing that. Cause there's a difference between wanting to believe something and actually embodying it. So. Yeah. I, I could definitely relate to that. And I feel like it's a lot of repetition, like just like telling yourself that and then like your actions aligning with that. And which is again, how you said it's not easy. I could definitely relate to that too. Yeah. What were some like, 
specific like either conversations that you were having or like when you went to your therapist like what questions was she asking you specifically about money any journal prompts any books that you read podcasts that and then like either like specific perspectives that you were like we were kind of like like you could say like life-changing or very insightful that really helped you out with your your having a healthier money uh, money relationship yeah so oh my gosh so many <clears throat> and I'm sure a lot of the things that I'm going to share like people have um like you know heard before I'm like not a big fan at all sorry if for some reason you are but <laughs> of, of Dave Ramsey like he's like a big like money guy like uh, he does a lot of you know books and things like that some people know yeah. some people don't um but he's very much like the kind of person that's like don't don't spend any money never buy a latte don't go anywhere and you're like he has this theory that you shouldn't buy a car until you have a million dollars in net worth which is oh, no. <laughs> insane like no one can live their life like that and so um i i prefer more the route like i love amanda francis um she's amazing she's like the money queen she has a bunch of courses her book um uh, am I allowed to curse on you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure she has a book called <laughs> Richest Fuck and it's really mm. great. Um, so she's really great. And her approach to money is one. I think the biggest thing, and this is what I do with my clients to work through this as well, is you need to be able to heal the root of the money issues. Like again, how did your money or how did your mom, your dad, your caretakers handle money? What did mm -hmm. they teach you? What did society teach you? Like society taught you that the only way to make money is to work yourself into the ground. Has society taught you that, you know, women have to make less than men, but obviously like we get paid less, but like the, the, there's, there's so many things that we've just believed and accepted as the truth. Yeah. And we have to literally completely shift that perspective and believe that something else is true. And we can't just like tell ourselves, we have to go back to like that younger version of ourselves through like journaling. Um, like asking, like, again, like what, what are the things that I grew up believing about money. What, and what did they teach me? Like, I think three of the things that I ask my clients most when they do like money journal prompts is one, like write out all of your money memories. So like for me, mm -hmm. if I think about a few money memories, I can remember, um, I went to a Catholic school, so we wore uniforms. And I remember every year when we would drive, cause we had to drive to go like it was like an hour away somewhere from where we lived. I don't know why. And we had to drive really far and I had to try on all these uniforms. And it, I remember it was just such a, like, even just thinking about it, my body's having a visceral reaction of like anxiety and stress of like, we would go there and the whole time my mom was complaining about like how expensive these uniforms are. And then we get there and she's like, well, you're only allowed to get this. And it was just like such mm -hmm. a stressful experience. And like, it's like, okay, that that's my money memory. What did that teach me? And that could write out probably 25 different things that like, you know, the, the money is stressful and there's never enough, like all these things. And so once you know your money memories and then you write out what they taught you, you get to reframe what that looks like because we didn't get to do that as kids. We didn't have control of that when we were, mm -hmm. you know, eight, nine, 10, you know, 12. And so if I go, this is my memory of, you know, getting a uniform when I was, you know, a 12, this is what it taught me how would I like to see it differently? What, what are the, what are the things that I've seen as proof that these things don't have to be true? And this is why it's so important to surround yourself with people that give you social proof and real life proof mm -hmm. that like things can look differently. And so, um, I think those were like the, the most important things. I also love Jen Sincero's book. She has a book mm -hmm. called you are a badass, but yeah. she has called you are a badass at making money. That's another great one. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think, I think it's like, 
following um people that like have a lot but have a lot and do a lot but if it triggers you and it makes you uncomfortable don't follow them you need to kind of be ready to do that but it's just making the perspective shift from I see somebody being successful and going like I'm not there yet to going if she can do it I can do it too like that's really like the perspective shift and so I think surrounding yourself with those kinds of people can can make a big difference as well but I personally think especially with money because it's so deeply ingrained and programmed into us that we have to understand why we see money the way we do like how did we grow up with it what did it teach us and how would we like to see it differently to me those were like the biggest things that really helped me shift out of oh I just have to believe this about money like it doesn't have to be true but we have to teach ourselves like our younger selves our inner child that like that doesn't have to be true Mm -hmm. I think you hit another point where like we could transition into like your your coaching that which i'm like really interested because when i was reading your your um about page in your website you one of the things that that kind of like popped out was that you have to ask the right questions in order to know like why we're why we were behaving this way or etc for you what were like those um oh them i was like gonna say something yeah, I, I, I lose my train of thought all the time like I have ADHD all the time. I always tell my clients like I'm gonna lose my train of thought at least once on a call so <laughs> totally fine um but something we're asking asking the right questions so how how did you like learn I guess like learn that or how did you become aware that we got to we have to ask the right questions and how do you know what's your approach in asking the right questions if that makes sense yeah no it makes total sense so For me, asking the right questions really came down. I use this example all the time. I've probably talked about it like on 45 different podcasts, but it's just like the best example. So I use it all the time because I do work with like a, uh, one of the main things with my clientele is like procrastination. Not all of uh, people procrastinate. I work with plenty of people that don't, but a lot of them do. And so what a lot of people do when they procrastinate is they're like, okay, I just got to get better at time management. I got to get like a better, Mm. really cute planner at target that has like a really cute pen (laughs) and it makes me want to write in it. And then I'll just be better at procrastination instead of going, well, wait, instead of trying to fix the procrastination, let's say, why are you procrastinating in the first place? Or if you're struggling with like binge eating, Instead of just trying to be better with food, well, let's ask, why are you binge eating in the first place? And just checking in on like, what is the root cause of it? It's not necessarily harping on the why, because there also is the side of it where people get too caught up and needing to know exactly why they do everything the way that they do. And then once they find out the why, then they think they're done. And it's like, no, there's so many other levels. We have to we have to, just because you know you're a perfectionist because your mom was a perfectionist, that doesn't fix it. We have to navigate, like, what does that feel like in your body? Um, what experience are you having? What what do you need to shift? Like, there's so many things. Um, but for me, I realized, like, when I talk about this often, is there, I think that there are six main reasons people procrastinate. Fear of failure, fear of success, perfectionism, caring about what people think, all or nothing thinking, and needing to know all the answers before you start, which is kind of like imposter syndrome. And so those are the real reasons we procrastinate. You're not procrastinating because you're lazy. I mean, if you're just doing, not wanting to do laundry, maybe, but like if there's a big project you want to work on, if you want to start a podcast, if you want to um, share like a certain post on social media, 
there's a reason why you're going, oh, well, I'll just do it later. I got to clean my fish tank instead. Like mm-hmm. there's probably a, a reason of like, you're afraid if you start, you're going to fail. So if you mm-hmm. never start, if you procrastinate, then you never have to fail or fear of success, which I like to call secretly it's fear of change. Because if you have a fear of success, you're afraid of succeeding because succeeding means more responsibility. You might lose certain people in relationships and things. Like if you level up, you might like not be friends with certain people anymore for, for different reasons. And so there's so many reasons why. And so I think asking the right questions, you know, if somebody's struggling to grow their business instead of being like, okay, well, how do I make more money? And how do I, it's like, well, why are you not where you want to be in the first place? And like, that's kind of what, um, has, has made me say that because I realized that when we ask the right questions, we solve, make sure we're like solving the right problems and focusing on the right problems. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many people come to me struggling to get to where they want to go. And they've been for the past months or years focusing on, you know, this problem over here. They think it's just logistics in their business. They think their social media is not the best, but then once we get down to the nitty gritty, they have a, a crippling fear of failure or a crippling fear with imposter syndrome. And once we navigate that, they're able to actually take the steps they need to make in their social media or in their business because they're no longer being paralyzed by fear. And so when you ask the right questions, you identify what you actually need to be working on instead of distracting yourself with something that isn't really going to, you know, move you forward. So interesting. I have a question or a follow up with that because I feel like I've done, I've asked those questions like why and then asking further. And even like in some podcasts that I've done, we, um, it was with procrastination too, where I procrastinated and she was like, you just got, you have to change the story that you're telling yourself. And I was like, okay. And I did that. But then I guess like my question is like with the, with the content that I've been, I've gone into health, right? So I'm like, I need to learn more about my health. Cause I feel like that's what's holding me back since I feel like I've done the, the inner work you could say, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong. And, but then I've, now I'm learning so much stuff like there's like glucose spike where it's like because if you have too many glucose spikes then your mood changes or you know there's so many side effects to that and then there's like your brain if you don't learn something new or you don't go if you don't exercise or you know stuff like that that also influence your, influences your health and then most of us like either aren't doing that or we're just focusing on the inner stuff but then not working on would it be like external like sort of like your health I, how much of that do you do or do you like see in in your coaching where like people are doing that stuff but maybe it's like it's their health maybe they have to start just like maybe they have to go do a brain scan because I, I don't know if you heard of like dr daniel amen daniel, daniel yeah. amen something like that like yeah. if you do your brain scan like there's like there's like so we can't really there aren't tangible we can't really see but it can affect you so much so how do you like as a coach, like, how do you like deal with that? And I feel like at least, I don't even know what my question is. I think you're essentially asking like, how do you know what to focus on? What, yeah. Like what, like which one is the quote unquote problem essentially. Um, so first going back to kind of what you said in the first part of your, your question, when you were like, you know, I, I've, ad- I've asked those questions. I've identified those things. I've done the work. This is what I call purgatory for a lot of people. It's this, you're, you're, you're 
in the middle and it's almost it's not that it's a negative thing but it's this tricky space where you have a lot of self-awareness you're like i know my trauma i know what caused this i know why i'm a perfectionist i know this but then you stay there and then you think that just understanding oh well okay i'm struggling with like things in my business because i have a fear of failure so i just need to like you know not have that and then i'll be okay Mm -hmm. that's literally step one. And a lot of people think that's like step 10. It is literally just cracking open the door. And so a lot of people will stay in that space and they've said they've done the inner work and mm-hmm. that's and it's still progress. Like I'm not discounting at all, but like, that's just like literally the first step because there's, there's things in terms of the inner work we need to do with like, um, like feeling the feelings. Like if you realize that you are struggling with a fear of failure because your parents were really hard on you and now you're really hard on yourself and you have a crippling fear of failure, you need to experience what that feels like. Your your younger self went through that. And so there are feelings we feel that when we think about failure, we might feel it in our body, in our stomach or in our chest. And instead of just trying to think about it, we need to actually like feel what it feels like. Like let the anxiety come forward. Let the fear of failure come forward, feel it in your body, experience it instead of thinking about it and like allow it to move through. And then we won't be as, you know, uh, it won't feel like it's controlling it as much. So there's, there's, and that's just one element, but there's so many elements to move through a limiting belief. You can identify it. You can have awareness on it, but now you need to shift the perspective. You need to have a conversation with your, with your inner child. You need to meditate. You need to journal. You need to do somatic body work. Like when I'm talking about how you feel it in your body, like there's so many levels to it. And so doing the inner work is not just the awareness of it. It's the (laughs) feeling, experiencing, and moving through and shifting perspectives with it in terms of identifying like, okay, like I have things with my health. I have things with my, my physical health, my mental health. I have my habits. I have my routines, whatever it might be. The answer that's really annoying that no one wants to hear is there's not there. You don't need to know which one is the one you need to work on. You just pick one and go. The Mm -hmm. thing that's stopping people is they're trying to figure out like which one is the most important one. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, of course, the, if you like have like, if you're dying or you know, something's happening <laughs> you physically that maybe focus on your physical health, but for the most part, if you're just trying to become a, you know, a, a better human, it's like, what's it's a, the way you can maybe figure it out is like, what's the most important to you? What, what's aligns with your goals? Like, but at the same time, like if your physical health improves, your mental health improves, if your mental yeah. health improves, physical health improves. So it's like pick, and maybe you pick one from each. So like, there's a million things you can get real caught up. Cause I was too, when you start getting into learning more about your health, brain scans and apple sugar <laughs> and and so it's like all of it is great, but I think it's kind of like keeping a, a running list of all the things that you're learning and then saying, okay, since I'm learning right now about like, I don't know, you know, brain health, I'm going to focus on that. Maybe you're learning about sleep and that's going to be what you focus on. Like make it be like the theme of the month. And then you can, whether it's in the notepad section of your phone or something like that, you can have a running list of all the things you want to start implementing or learning more about, but trying to learn them all at the same time means that none of them are going to stick. But if you say for the next month and, and, you know, for the rest of November, I'm going to learn all just focus all on sleep or in the month of December, I'm going to learn about like blood sugar and glucose and whatever it might be. And that's what you focus on. And then with that, you also, maybe you have a mental health 
thing. Maybe you're just going to focus on your perfectionism or you're just going to focus on your procrastination. And those two are the themes of the month. We panic um, because we go, what about all the other things that I want to learn? <laughs> yeah. It's impossible for our brain to learn all of them. So it's like, put them on the back burner. They're not going anywhere. Focus on just, you know, let's say sleep and imposter syndrome for the month of December. And that's all you focus on. And then the next month you pick something new. There's absolutely no one thing that is good. And the, the the last thing with this is like, you can, and this, this is where it comes down to like working with a coach. And I don't say that to be self-serving. It's just the truth is that when we are in our own space and we're in our own lives and we look at it all the time, we never, we like, it's hard for us to see what's in the way. It's like when we're dating someone that's not good for us, like our friends and our family can see it, but it's not until like we're outside of it. Then we're like, Oh, that guy was like a dick. Like, why was I dating him? You know what I mean? So um, I think we, like, if you really are someone who wants to gain clarity on like, what's most important for you in that moment, working with a coach, whether it be long-term or you do like a single coaching session or something like that, they can help you. Or the way I explain yeah. it, the metaphor I use is like, our head is in the clouds. And so a mentor comes up and picks us up and pulls our head out of the clouds. And we look around and we're like, oh, okay, now I can see it. And that could, you can even do that with like a third party person or, or, or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you're paying, but like mm-hmm. even like a friend or a parent, they might not, they're, they're still in your world. It's nice to have like a third party person. That's not really in your world. That's able to help you see those things. I think that mm-hmm. can help. But at the end of the day, you really don't need to have like, there's not like the perfect thing. It's just, it really is just like, flip a coin if you need to like and just pick one and go no i think i think like with what you said i think i'm in the right track i think it's the you just want the results quickly but i definitely did the i did the reflecting on like what's my priority and i've been having these headaches that which is the whole reason i picked the my health because it's just my energy is always low i'm always like in a bad mood so it's like okay i gotta i gotta fix this before i do anything like i'm still gonna work on my on myself my podcast whatever work but I'm really prioritizing and then it's like my brain and then the glucose stuff, which I've been consistent, which is surprising. Like, I feel like I haven't felt it, but, and maybe this is TMI, but I got, I have really bad uh, pain, cramp, pain cramps, is that yeah. And um, I, like, I cry at times when I have a period and I got my period like a few days ago and I didn't even like felt no pain, like not even, I usually like feel it before it even comes. And this time I was like, oh, it just came. I was like, okay, whatever. And I was like, oh, interesting. I've been eating right. I've been implementing the things like I said. And I was like, okay, okay. May I not, may I, I may not feel it, but I felt it physically where I know it's like a big thing for me. So yeah. 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 And then those kinds of things, like that's where it is helpful to like get, whether you go to a doctor or you work with like a, a hormone coach or something like that, like there's, there's always something that you can do to have someone help you gain more clarity where you feel stuck. Um, but if you're like testing things out, it's kind of like, and, and it's a tough thing. Cause I've, my entire life have dealt with stomach problems. I no mm. longer have them anymore, but like, I literally dealt with them for 10 years and for oh. 10 years, 10 years it was trial and error trying different things going to different doctors and like nobody really wants to hear that we kind of just want to figure out the answer sooner than later um but it it doesn't always happen like that unfortunately and it's Mm -hmm. literally just like being a human and trying different things and figuring out what works and what doesn't and then just being committed to like continuing to do that because a lot of people will try they don't find the answers and they give up and then they just stay uncomfortable. It's like, you might stay uncomfortable, but if you're at least actively trying to figure out the issue and keep it moving, you know, keep things moving forward, eventually you're going to get there. If you give up, you're back to square one. So even though it might suck, it's like, keep, keep poking and prodding, 
figuring out, you know, what, what might be the issue. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I know we're almost out of time and I have a few more questions. Actually, there's, I was listening to one of your podcasts and I thought it was very interesting to kind of like mention it here. And like, for those who are listening, I think it will be like good information. You did a podcast or you put out a podcast uh, episode a few weeks ago talking about how to get out of a rut. And you gave a few um, uh, advice on, or like, I don't know if it was steps, but definitely like advice on how to get out of it. Can you like share some of them here um, for those who are, who feel who are in a rut or like wanting to try to get out or at least like start being consistent with like being in a, at a better mood or consistent yeah. with what they're doing? Yeah. Um. So do you mean like, can you repeat the question because I want to make sure I answer it right. Yeah. So how can you like share the advice that you gave in your podcast oh. episode with like how to get out of a rut? Yeah. So I think the the biggest things with like being in a rut are that we tend to again. This is it's so it's it's going back a lot to um this like all or nothing thinking that a mm. lot of times we are in a rut. I was just talking to somebody about this. Um, of using like your uh, your morning routine. But like, if you have a morning routine and you're really great at it, like for me, morning routine is my thing. Uh, it's like 45 minutes to an hour. I journal, I meditate, I pull cards, I do a bunch of things. And so that's what it looks like on a normal basis. But on a day where I'm really busy or a day where I have to be at the door, I wake up late. What a lot of people will do is go, oh, well, I don't have time to do my normal 45 minute routine. I'll just do it tomorrow. Instead, what I recommend doing is like just doing five minutes. So instead of doing 45 minutes, I will do 60 seconds of deep. Breathing. I'll pull one card and I'll write one sentence. And even though that's five minutes, it's still focusing on creating the consistency of the habit versus perfection of the process, which is what a lot of people are trying to do. And so I think the biggest thing is throwing out the all or nothing thinking, because when you fall into a rut, whether it is because you went on vacation or you got sick, or it's a money rut, an energy rut, whatever it is, we are constantly trying to get right back to where we were because that's the society we live in. It's just go, 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 go. And it's like, you want to pick one element of your routine that you lost and add it back slowly instead of trying to add all the others. So if you felt you're completely in a rut and your workouts aren't there, you're not eating well, you don't have any routine, you're not drinking water, you're not showing up for your work. Those are a lot of different categories. Why are you trying to get back all five of those things? You know what I mean? Or like you maybe mm -hmm. don't have a social life right now. And so it's like pick one thing and not even one thing, but one element. So it's like, maybe it's just starting with workouts and, and don't try to do an hour workout. Maybe you just do 20 minutes of moving your body. And then once you start having that, then you can add in something with like your mental health. Maybe it's getting back to meditating and maybe you don't do the five things you do for your mental health, but you do one. And when it comes to a social life, maybe it's not going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday in order to get your social life back, maybe it's just a few times a month. And so it's like slow implementing the things that you want to do in the podcast. I talked about something like called like the Tetris method It's just like this little thing I've made up. It, it's not anything fancy. It's just kind of what made sense in my brain of like, you know, in Tetris, the things fall and then you're adding things, but then, you know, the more you add them in the right way, like things go away. And so <laughs> adding something new it, when, or so it's adding something new, adding something old and taking something away. And so adding some, when you're, when you're stuck in a rut, so adding something new would be like something new that you've been wanting to do that maybe has been on your list that, you know, will kind of excite you because I work with mm -hmm. a lot of people with ADHD. We love novelty. We love new things. And so if I want to start to add a new habit of like, let's say I want to go to a Pilates class or something. 
which I wouldn't do because Pilates classes are so hard. Um, <laughs> I like to do hard things, but Pilates, I just can't. So maybe that's what I want to do. And so adding that it's, it's new, it's fresh and it, it's exciting. It create, it just creates new energy into your routine. And so it can get that like self-motivation back. And so mm-hmm. adding something new, then adding something old is an old, like a uh, habit that you had that like you do well with that you're adding that back in again. Like I just talked about whether it's one thing for your physical health, one thing for your mental health, and then taking something away. This is like a new habit or a new, like a bad habit that has happened since you have been stuck in a rut. So maybe when you weren't in a rut, you weren't struggling with like scrolling as much. Maybe you were a little bit better with like going to bed at a decent time. So we want to take away one of the bad habits that have come into the rut. So add something new, add something old, and then take something away. Just those three simple things. Like you could make a list of that. I'm sure anybody could right now. And that alone can be something that I think can be like a, just a simple process to get you out of a rut. Yeah. And I found it so useful. So, and it's interesting because like, this is some of the stuff that I do too. But you like explaining it like that. I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Kind of was like reinforcing or yeah, yeah. reaffirming. I like, I like metaphors, so I like to explain things in ways that's like very big. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I have one more question, and it's kind of like, I don't know how related to it is related it is, but it's like um, like you start you starting your business. What's something that you wish you would have done in the beginning, and that you could like share for those who are starting their business, or even like some stuff that you share with your clients when they're starting it? What's something you wish you would have started since the beginning? And then I'll ask my last two questions for the podcast. Um, not to like harp on it, but like it's the first thing that comes to mind all the time with this kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, it's there for a reason. Um, But I, I would say focusing on being like, again, this authentic, real, raw version of yourself sooner than later. Like I, mm-hmm. I, did that pretty quickly. I'd say it probably took me maybe like a year or two. Um, but I wish I would have done that sooner and just been okay with like being like exactly who I am and not trying to hide or fit into a box. Cause I think that is so exhausting for a lot of people. I see so many people like they become a coach and all of a sudden they're super robotic on social media. Like I feel like they have to fit into a box to like have people take them seriously or not have imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome. So I think that's definitely something that I um, would recommend people are doing. And it's like, it's it's easier said than done, but like just being really okay with just completely being yourself and not being worried if people don't like you or people don't want to follow you because they were never going to be your people anyway. I have one quick question before I ask the questions. With authenticity and then you, like how you mentioned being unapologetic, unapologetic, confident, how... Or what's like one of those few questions you could start asking yourself so you know what your authentic self is? Like if you don't know yourself? Yeah, if you don't know yourself, how how do you, you want to be authentic, but how? how Yeah, I I mean, because I think those are two different questions. Like if you're asking, one is like, if you're unsure why, or, or if you're like, okay, how do I become more authentically myself or how to become more confident? I would ask going back to what, what we talked about in the beginning is like asking the right questions is why are you not? What, what happens if you are your authentic mm. self? What are you afraid is going to happen? Are you afraid yeah. people are going to like you, whatever? And then it's like, okay, where does that come from? 
what experience, whose voice is that? Which is what I say to my clients a lot, because like you don't, nobody wakes up one day and doesn't believe in themselves. Some person, some experience taught them that like their, their selves as they are, isn't good enough. And that could be through school. It could be through something a teacher said, it can just be through society and what they can constantly are putting out to us that we have to be different or like look at a certain way. And so that would be one. But if you are somebody who feels like you don't really know yourself or you don't know your authentic self, then you really need to take a deep dive into, um, and like, this could be as simple as like Googling, like questions on like, how do I know myself better? Because the it's just, it's just like checking in with like, okay, I, was, I ask people this sometimes and, and they're like, they're almost surprised that they don't know the answer when I'm like, what do you do for fun? And they're like, oh, well, um, <laughs> I, and like, it takes people a second to answer. And like a lot of people will know. So like at the end of the day, you do know your authentic self, but you have to be able to like pull those things out. Mm -hmm. And it's just knowing like, what do you like to do for fun? What makes you happy? If in a perfect world, you could do whatever you want, what would you do? It's kind of like those kinds of questions mm -hmm. and answering them and like brainstorming on them to see what comes up. And then if you really feel like you're still having some resistance, I recommend like talking to other people and being like asking them questions about like, what do you think my strengths are? What are my weaknesses? Like, how would you, mm -hmm. how would you describe me to a stranger? And you might be surprised at like how other people see you. Not that that has to be the way you are, but that can also be helpful to just like, like pull some things out essentially. All right. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, those, those are good questions. And yeah, I'll definitely do, do that. <laughs> um, my last two questions are, or my first question, and I'll ask my first question is with this whole journey that you've been, what have been the either small or big, like however you define them, your achievements that you were like, holy crap, like this is awesome. This is amazing. I can't believe this happened to me. And if you wouldn't have started, this whole journey like it would have never happened and you're glad that you did yeah um I think I have a whole podcast episode about this because there's a there's a bunch of things um more recently was getting a divorce um so getting a divorce <laughs> was super scary I was so afraid to do that but like I'm like the happiest I've ever been so I'll, I'm, I'm such a big believer in like everything that doesn't work out for us is always like, uh, one of my favorite quotes is obstacles are just detours in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I would 100% say the biggest thing for me was going through like an abusive relationship, eating disorder and homelessness, which are like pretty awful things. And so like going through that, like made me Ex brought me exactly where I am today because if I didn't go through that I probably still would have a victim mentality I still would have like pity party waiting for someone to come save me and if I didn't go through that if I didn't go through homelessness if I didn't go through literally not knowing where my next meal was going to come from I wouldn't it wouldn't have given me like the willpower and like the badassery that I have of like again, wanting not one or not even not wanting anybody to come save me, but realizing nobody was going to come save me. Mm -hmm. And so I think like going through that has just made me 100% who I am because it made me realize everything that I don't want and everything that I do want. And that's what happened recently with my divorce and recently just interactions with people and the experiences I've been having. I've, I was just talking to my best friend about this. I feel like I am getting some, I've always been pretty strong in my standards and boundaries, but I feel like I'm I thought I was already good, but I'm increasing that. Like the boundaries and the conversations, like when somebody is saying, like even this week alone, like people have like, I've had some experiences where like immediately I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's not gonna work for me. 
And like, so you can either do this or do that. Or like, we can no longer like have this interaction. And like, I'm just like setting those ground rules and like making it my boundary and my standard. And I think that everything that has happened with like the hard things that I've been through and not getting what I wanted in my marriage and the things not working and it making me be like, okay, well, yes, that didn't work out, but now it's showing me exactly what I want. And everything that mm. doesn't work out for me is just another thing that shows me this isn't what I want. And it's leading me to exactly what I, what I do want. Mm, that's nice. That's a nice one. I really thank you for sharing that. Uh, my second question, my last question for you is for those who believe or think that they don't deserve it. No matter medical school, which is medical school is I don't deserve it. I'm not deserving of it. What and they want to start, but they want to start a podcast, a, a side hustle, a hobby, a business. But they just again, they don't feel like they deserve it. What advice or what tip, what like, phrase, if anything, what would you like tell them? To work on why they don't feel like they deserve it in the first place. My answers are always going to be the <laughs> answers. It's not like, oh, here's one. Because I could go ahead and give you a quote or a mantra. <laughs> All that's going to do is just motivate you temporarily. But then when you go to face the real things, when stuff comes up, you're going to, you're, there's still going to be resistance because you're not working on why you have, why you don't believe in you. Why do you feel like you're not worth it again? Who voices that? What experience happened that made you feel like you're not worth it? And then work through the feeling in your body, work through the perspective that you have and work on shifting it for that younger version of you. Cause she's the one, he's the one that believes you're not worthy, not your adult self now that is can think logically and can make sense of things. It's your younger self that is saying, we don't deserve it. And she or he needs to know that they do, but you need to work on shifting that perspective for them. And then once you do, the desire and the understanding that you are worthy isn't so hard. To mm, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good answer. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Alexis, for being here, for having this awesome conversation with me. For those people who want to go check out your content, want to book a coach session with you, where can they find you? All that, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I'm the tough love coach, spelled exactly how it sounds pretty much on every platform. I'm mainly on Instagram. I post on TikTok too, but not as much. Um, but Instagram is definitely my jam. So if you want to mm -hmm. chat, answer my DMs, you can shoot me a message on there. I have a podcast called the XOXO, your tough love coach podcast. It's kind of short and sweet episodes, typically like five to 20 minute um, episodes. They're more like just tough love pep talks versus like mm -hmm. more, more information. Um, I definitely dive into, into some things on there. Um, but yeah, you can work with me one-on-one. -on -one. I have like a group collective for entrepreneurs that just want support in growing an online business. Cause that's just hard. Um, and there's, you know, a few things that are, that are upcoming, uh, in the next few months. So you can keep an eye out for that. But yeah, mainly my Instagram is, you know, where you're, where you're going to find me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely leave the links below your podcast, your Instagram, and your website. And for those, and I, thank you again for being here. And then for those who are listening or watching this, don't forget to, if you're listening, don't forget to follow, is it follow and comment on oh, and give, give a review. There we go. Give a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and comment, like, share, all that because that supports the podcast. And with that being said, thank you so much for everybody. Thank you so much, Alexis, for being here. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.